in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. As you know, here in the Paracast, we have explored alternative viewpoints for UFOs and other strange phenomena. And I thought back to an episode we did in February of 2016, where we featured Professor Eric Willett. And he's author of a book called Illuminations, The UFO Experience as a Parapsychological Event. And the book was published by our friends at Anomalous Books. And I was looking at the reviews, because it's interesting how others have reacted. You had a favorable review, of course, from Jacques Vallée. Jenny Randalls wrote the forward. And one more that interested me is, of course, from my old friend Dave Halpern. All of Eric Willett's arguments are stimulating. All are provocative. All contribute to making this book one of the most fascinating UFO books I've read in a long time. A vital contribution to the understanding of the UFO as a social and psychological phenomenon. As we know, David's been on the Paracast several times. He's somebody I've known for like 50 years or so, since we were wee lads. And the interesting thing here is that originally, David subscribed to the theory that UFOs are extraterrestrial, the, the common theory. But over the years, came to think of a collective unconscious as a more viable solution. Now, Eric, we're looking into alternative solutions, explanations for UFOs, and people say we here at the Paracast are against ETH, which I don't think is true. But what led you on the path to looking for alternatives? Well, uh, I guess I, I went through the path uh, like many other people. Uh, at first, I was interested in UFOs and looking into the ETH. But the more I was reading uh, about it, and the less I was satisfied, I found that the, the evidence that was proposed was very flimsy and uh, not convincing at all. Uh, plus, all the conspiracy theory, which is even less uh, convincing uh, for me anyway, forced me to think, well, you know, there's a lot of people who've seen things and they seem to be very sincere. Uh, they had extraordinary experiences. So something else maybe might be able to explain these things because it appears that there's something real behind it, whatever it is. So my 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 first thought was, how about we look at uh, use the tools uh, that were developed by parapsychology to look into the UFO. That's that's where I started. Now looking at this here, you realize you're coming up against a conventional wisdom. Yes, I noticed. <laughs> One of the things that um, is very fascinating about, the, I mean, as a sociologist, very fascinating about the UFO field is that we are dealing with a mystery. We have no hard proof about what it is. And yet you have a sizable portion of people interested in UFOs who have very hard beliefs about the nature of the phenomenon. That's for me, um, uh, disappointing, at times discouraging, because you cannot engage in a dialogue with people who claim to know the truth with a capital T, and yet there's no evidence to support it. I mean, and no serious evidence. So uh, that's the nature of the beast we're dealing with. What would you define as serious evidence? Well, the ETH, to take that one, because it's obviously the most popular one, it's a materialistic hypothesis, essentially saying that there's spaceships of some sort traveling 
to Earth by some means. And there are entities, alien entities, uh, inside those ships or at times inside those ships visiting us. So all you need is to find a piece of equipment or a piece of biology that is not from this Earth. And that's it. It's proven. Uh, so that's what I mean by hard evidence. And so far, we have absolutely nothing to meet that criteria. So you mean scientifically valid, verifiable material evidence? Because the hypothesis is uh, materialistic. Now, there are other uh, hypotheses. For instance, uh, some people call it the, the psychosocial hypothesis, where it implies there's nothing behind except just people believe and how did this, the, their belief system you know, spread around. But uh, so that's not a materialistic hypothesis. But then their proof would be how you can connect an individual experience with the broader social narrative that's out there. Again, these people are, have not proven this thing because even sociologists and psychologists have a hard time to explain how what's happening in uh, in individual life is impacted by the social larger events. Imagine if you add, add that, people are very sincere who've seen something. That explanation is very weak, but you're not looking from something materialistic in this case. You're looking for social and psychological dynamics that are proven to work. But isn't observation a physical process? Well, partially, because um, uh, when we look at something, uh, our brain uh, already projects into that something some information that seen, things we've seen before. And well, if you see something you've never seen before, your brain is confused and will find whatever it can to fill the gap. And so, there's yes, there is a physical element, but there's also a psychological element and ultimately a social element because the material that our brain uses for filling the blanks is coming from our culture, from our society, uh, the time and the, the era you live in. So, so it's not fully physical. Okay, well, that makes a certain amount of sense. And I'm really glad we're diving into the deep end right away here, because what we're dealing with then is, uh, on the subjective side, the interpretation of a physical event. But that doesn't mean that there was no physical event. In other words, reports of UFOs often involve human observation. And unless we're assuming some sort of hallucination, observation includes a physical process called the stimulus response, which requires some objective external stimulus emit photons that are delivered through the lenses of the observer's eyes and registered on the retina where they're converted to bioelectrical signals that are interpreted by our visual cortex as the experience of eyesight. So we've got it. We've definitely got in the case of observation something external to the subjective experience of the observer taking place. Would you not agree with that? I would agree that the, the definitely uh, what you describe happens, but um, I would suggest we can go one step further. This step further explains in part why it's so hard to study UFOs and why it's so complex. But I think a number of UFO uh, events that were reported um, were technically as hallucinations, 
or uh, visionary experience. However, the source of what happened in the brain of that person that made them see something is itself objective. So you could think about a, te a shared telepathic vision of something. They've, there was physically nothing, but the stimulus that came to their brain through non-normal means was objective. In a sense, it was coming from elsewhere than the brain of the person. So that would also count uh, for me as, as something objective, even though there's nothing physical. Well, how do we trace the non-physical aspects here? That's something I'd like to know because we're going to look at some of the case histories you looked at, such as the Washington National Sightings in 1952, where we had visual and radar supposedly indicating the same phenomenon was observed. That's interesting. By the way, we've come into the fifth year of Paracast Plus, and that's a service where we give you a version of this show free of the network ads with better quality audio because it comes right off the master recording that we're doing right now. And to get all this joy, you go to plus.theparacast.com. That's plus.theparacast.com. We also give you the After the Paracast podcast. And in recent months, many of those episodes of After the Paracast have featured extended discussions with the guests who appeared on the regular episodes. So to hear the whole thing, you have to subscribe. It just turns out that way because it gives us the freedom to do things like that. Eric Wallet is here. The book is Illuminations, available from Amazon, The Usual Suspects, with Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items. And entails t-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of t-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Marijuana has unleashed a green gold rush across our nation. It's creating $10.8 billion in new wealth a year. And every day, it's transforming more and more Americans into millionaires. Former Speaker of the House John Boehner reveals how you could become one of them. Join him online for the American Cannabis Summit. Attendance is 100% free, but space is limited. Join online at www.acs2018.com. John Boehner and an esteemed panel will reveal which cannabis stocks are primed to deliver life-changing windfalls. Plus, they will show you how to become a cannabis angel investor, backing the hottest startups before they potentially become worth billions of dollars. To join the American Cannabis Summit, visit ACS2018.com or text JOIN to 76280. Don't miss this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Text JOIN to 76280. Text JOIN to 76280 now. 
Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the purest for you and your family. For over 14 years, thousands have depended on Berkey Clean Water. The Berkey Guy has you covered at home, work, and on the go with water filtration systems of every size for every budget. Now, GCN listeners receive 10% off ceramic filter systems using code GCN at GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. How well and how fast does heart and body extract work to improve blood circulation? Listen. My name is Ellis, and I am 66 years old, and I live in Jacksonville, Florida. Two years ago, I was diagnosed as having clogged arteries. I had 70% blockage in one artery leading to my heart. They wanted me to go on Plavix, but I refused, knowing the negative side effects. Heart and Body Extract is a unique balance, synergy, and proportion of herbs reaching from head to toe at maximum absorption around 95% at the cellular level. Within the first month, I felt a dramatic difference. The heaviness in my legs was reduced, and within two months, I felt completely normal. Your natural organic herbal formula for heart health is Heart and Body Extract. Heart and Body Extract comes with a 100% ironclad money-back guarantee. Details at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305 for Heart and Body Extract. Call 866-295-5305. 866-295-5305 for Heart and Body Extract. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I started fighting the IRS over 40 years ago when they tried to seize my mother's house. I sued the IRS and won. I beat the IRS then, and I've been beating them ever since. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I've helped thousands of people deal with tax problems they thought might never be solved. I can help you, too. If you owe taxes you can't pay, don't wait another day. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So, Eric Willett, I was asking you first about, of course, the influence of something external. But we also have cases where there appears to be an objective reality that's a physical reality. But how do we know that what someone sees is not what we would call physical? Well, that's a difficult question. Uh, but the, the idea is that if someone uh, has so-called hallucination, but it's actually, let's say, a telepathic vision or, or some information they gather from another source through non-normal means, that becomes information. And that information then can be cor- corroborated with something else. And that's the only way to do it. It's not easy. I'll give you a, an example of... Um, I, I, I studied the case of um, a couple, a young couple, who were looking into their windows uh, in, in Hamilton, Canada. And um, they both saw something really, really strange, full of lights. And it was, uh, you know, a classic UFO uh, vision. And there was two people. And yet their house is kind of a, on the edge of a huge valley. And that valley is populated with thousands of houses. So someone else wanna stop seeing it and yet nobody saw anything. So then you think, okay, if it's a shared telepathic vision, there was nothing physical, but they something objective about it because there's two individuals who saw it. 
what it is. And so then you start to use other tools, some of them from uh, psychoanalysis, and think about, okay, that symbol of a UFO in the sky, what might it be representing? And then if you think about, you know, this is something hidden, secrets, this conspiracy, then maybe that's this message was sent. And then a number of months later, she, the lady discovered that her husband was actually cheating on her. So maybe she had some unconscious doubts about it and that communication about their marital issues was expressed through that shared telepathic vision of a UFO. So it's a very different way to explain it. Uh, but I would say that there's still something objective because it's not only in the brain of one person. We could we would probably invoke Occam's razor to some degree there to say that, well, isn't that reaching even further than the idea that, well, there really was just a craft out there and that's what they saw. We don't really have convincing evidence other than by statistical probability that telepathic communication is even possible, let, let alone you know, the sort of theory to explain it that you've just described might be the case. Well, I, I only partially agree with that. If you think about uh, parapsychology testing in, in, in a laboratory context, this is correct what you're saying. However, most of the interesting uh, cases of telepathy or, or the ones that have happened in a natural environment, you know, they're spontaneous. And there's thousands and thousands and thousands of cases that have been documented for hundreds, if not thousands of years. That data is valid too. It's just that it depends how you consider or you, or you look at data. And if you look at data from a more qualitative perspective, there's no doubt that telepathy exists. Um, so, so there's a different way to look at the, at the issue. Sure, but I suppose we could say the same thing for the independent objective existence of alien craft. There have been thousands and thousands of reports of those over the ages as well, uh, simply explaining them as, well, I really saw something. It was just observed the same way a person would observe a tree in the distance. That is the normal way that we perceive things visually. To invoke something more exotic, then that requires that we take that extra step and say, well, it wasn't really there. It's explained by some more exotic psychological means. I'm not saying it's not possible, and I find it really interesting, but I think we have to be careful about assigning explanations to phenomena that we don't really understand. Okay. First, first of all, I'm not saying that all UFO observation, there's no physical uh, event behind it, right? I'm just trying to say that there's, there's multiple forms of ways to look at it. Uh, so that's just to be clear on this one. But two, uh, I am, I'm questioning the issue. Is, is there a psychological slash parapsychological explanation more exotic than uh, imputing the existence of some alien civilization that could travel through space? I don't know which one of the two explanations is actually the most exotic, for one. Two, uh, if you look in the past before, I mean, 200 and more years ago, if we look into the explanations that were given from strange things in the sky, they were not explained as spaceships because people then had no concept of spaceship. What is exotic here? Hmm, well, it's questionable. I think in a, a psychological slash parapsychological explanation, it's much closer to what we know about human being that in, you know, putative alien civilization that would visit us. So it's a different way to look at it. Uh, Gene was asking about the Washington, 
DC 52 case. So uh, applying your sort of thinking towards that particular case, how does that work out? Let me backtrack a little bit, maybe to give a little bit more background. One of the thing, one of the discovery, I would say, of uh, modern parapsychology is that genuine anomalies tend to be occurring, or there are more chances to occur if you have people who actually deeply believe that those impossible things are actually possible. And what it means is that when you have um, misperceptions, misunderstanding, hoaxes, it's actually helped to or, or, or to create better conditions for genuine anomalies to occur because it creates a climate where people believe something. So the Washington thing, uh, UFO um, wave, is probably a mix of, you know, strange things in the sky it could be very exotic um, balls of lights or whatever it is uh, some planes that were misidentified for uh, ufos and something else people saw something maybe they shared some telepathic visions so you can have a mixed ball of things here one again i insist this notion of uh, uh, if you have a hoax or if you have a misperception therefore the entire case collapsed this is actually incorrect because these types of of uh, human-made uh, events help to foster the creation of real anomalies Okay, so we're talking here of having several explanations for the Washington event. It wasn't just one thing that was seen or one set of things seen and captured on radar. I mean, in my book, I didn't look into the details of the what was behind it. I was looking more into how the events unfolded. And the way it unfolded uh, was very much in line with how poltergeists unfold. If you look at at both types of events in a more generic fashion. Uh, So I didn't dig dig, uh, in any of the the actual, each of the little uh, specific sightings, uh, because first of all, that data is hard to find. But two, it was not the point. It was really to show that there's probably something bigger at play. And I tried to describe it through that case study. That's really interesting. Uh, What's happening here is we're trying to find some answers. And we're trying to figure out whether we're seeing spaceships or something closer to home. And we're positing some sort of occasional telepathic or shared experience or shared hallucination. Eric, Gene, and Randall, you're in. The Paracast. listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. By now you know that wireless technology like cell phones do in fact pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blocket Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockitPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. 
hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. For USA Radio News, I'm Wendy King. A fire NATO that ripped through the mountain town of Paradise destroyed everything in its wake. Only three roads lead up the mountain to the town, and the gridlock caused many people to burn alive in their cars. KOVR TV reporter Jan McGraw. When they say Paradise is lost, it's because next to everything is gone. We're talking everyone's home. Almost every elementary school, there's one elementary school still standing, but three others destroyed, the middle school, the high school. Tisha Arroyo and her grandfather decided to stay behind. I've been trying to get him to leave. Yeah. I don't want to be here. So far, 10 people were found dead. In Southern California near Malibu, the Woolsey Fire has caused 250,000 people to evacuate. Two people have died in that blaze. You're listening to USA Radio News. Now you can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go. And pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at low-cost airlines. 800-215-5141. 800-215-5141. That's 800-215-5141. Every hiring manager knows that a company is only as good as the people it's made from. So where do you find the best people? That may surprise you. Meet the grads of life, young adults of unique determination and experience, an ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or even mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. This is talent worth knowing about. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper, article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. Now, in terms of a possible shared hallucination, Eric, do we have documentation in other cases where this may have happened? 
Fatima, for example? Yes. If you expand your search beyond UFOs, you definitely have uh, good documentation of spontaneous cases of, of hallucination, as well as if you think about the the, um, the research that was done in the United States in the 1970s about the remote viewing, um, the uh, some there were some uh, apparitions that were seen in the, in the U.S. laboratory by several people. Um, and while the, that that area was a target for remote viewing for training uh, personnel, I, I would bet a lot of money there was nobody, no nothing there. But the remote viewers somehow were able to create a uh, collective hallucination among the scientists who were working in that lab. So that's one of those very interesting examples because this one was more, uh, not I would not say planned because they didn't expect to create a person, but was done under uh, clinical conditions. Uh, so of, of of some quality on the paracast some years back this is during the time of our first co-host probably before 2010 we featured a british remote viewer name of Daz smith and i think he may have and i don't recall this it's a lot of years ago and it's hundreds of shows later whether he participated in those original experiments but we ran a test of so-called remote viewing and he got pretty decent results in that particular test but if there is a shared hallucination among remote viewers, wouldn't that be something where they all see something similar, but doesn't necessarily relate to the target? Well, the thing is, you have to remember is that once uh, that energy is used, that what's this uh, parapsychologist call a psi, it's generating from the unconscious mind, and the unconscious mind has its own language, and it works at on with its own agenda. So, how it actually got to appear, who saw it, uh, is is very hard to control. Um, but definitely, they created conditions for for a, a collective experience of seeing an apparition, and more than one scientist saw it uh, in the lab. So, uh, at different moments, but still, this is if you want, you can think about a, a haunting that you have several people seeing the same thing, but not necessarily at the same time. Right, but if that thing is real, if you say that what they saw in Russia exists and is an accurate portrayal of a particular object or location how do you explain that oh i mean uh, there's a number of theories but but one of them is, is that they they have capacity to seek information that's kind of out there that's one theory another one is that the these remote viewers somehow are able to seek the minds of the people in russia who knows about it and so therefore they were able to collect that information so that's that's one way to look at it but uh, when we talk about creating an hallucination then I would say that's something that the unconscious of those room viewer was aware, but not their conscious mind. When uh, it was created in weird ways that uh, the the remote viewers them, themselves did not have full conscious control over. So, so that here's the difference. In those cases, though, I mean, when we're talking about the lab experiments, we're talking about heavily focused uh, attempts by people on a conscious level to create some sort of an effect. Now, maybe there's an unconscious aspect of it that will manifest itself in some way that you describe. But in the case of many UFO sightings, we're not dealing with people who are 
even thinking about UFOs. In some cases, we've got people who don't even know what they are or have never been exposed to it at all. An event just suddenly happens to them. So there's a really big difference between sitting down and, say, trying to conjure up a UFO event, be, you know, be a, a UFO magnet and um, oh, meditate on it. Yes, absolutely. I mean, uh, I give an example here, um, but the, the, one of the, the one of the things that is useful to do when someone is investigating UFOs is try to understand the life of the people who had the experience. Sometimes uh, you will be able to find a, a uh, symbolic message, like the, the case I, exp- I uh, described in Hamilton, they had marital difficulties, but they, couldn't, they didn't speak spoke about it, didn't speak about it, sorry, uh, at all. And, so, and in, in one way, their uh, UFO experience was a way to their unconscious mind, probably to break that, that lack of communication about their situation. So that could be one form. But you could also have people who saw, you know, very exotic phenomena in the sky. And then uh, they interpreted it as a UFO event. And then this led to other things that were more parapsychological in nature. I mean, there's no, uh, the order of events in this case, uh, if you look at cases, is you can see everything there. So people believe in UFOs, they see UFO, people don't believe it, and then they see something they interpret as UFO. And a lot of people experience and they refuse to interpret it as a UFO event, although they have no explanation of what it is. So you have, if you study and do field research, you will see there's all kinds of experiences out there. What I really like about your approach is that it's, it reminds me of another guest we had on not long ago, um, Professor Paul Kingsbury. I'm not sure if you have heard of him. No, I don't. Oh, okay. He's a professor in British Columbia, and he believes in looking at people as well. His focus is as a, a geographer where he tracks the way that people think about para, paranormal events uh, in a geologic in a geographical context and takes it very seriously um, he's with the scientific uh, coalition for ufology i believe and uh, he like you believes that the the human aspect the, the is really important in looking at the overall way that paranormal events are experienced and interpreted and spread through society. Yes, and uh, I, I, uh, I know other people who do similar research, uh, and I, 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 I'm very supportive of this kind of research, because when you have landscape uh, that are mystical, they have some special um, reputation about them, well, what does it do is that it actually enhances the, the, the belief of people that something impossible may happen in those special landscape, which goes back to what I was saying earlier, that if you increase the, the belief in the impossible, the, probabil- the probabilities of having a genuine anomaly is increased. So I'm uh, very favorable for the, to this kind of research. Yeah, indeed. That would seem to make a lot of sense when you think about it. Um, I, one thing that we tend to find in is that UFO reports tend to be reported more where there are greater concentrations of people. I mean, the stereotypical 
uh, report is that people, well, they're out in some rural area and all by themselves, and then some strange thing happens and they report it. And while that might be true uh, within the, the immediate locale of the witness, it still tends to be fairly close to larger population centers within, say, you know, 50 kilometers or so, that type of thing. Yes, I, I, the reports of UFOs are coming from people. And, you know, in this modern age, uh, most people live in cities or um, large and small. So, it, I mean, that's just normal that most uh, UFO reports comes from some cities, which points to the issue that, you know, if, if we had... Um, because if you're not in the, in the city, the conditions of observation in the sky are better, especially at night, because you don't have the uh, the city lights, and yet you have more observation of UFOs in cities. So that's that's uh, one factor that supports the idea that there's probably some, in many cases, something non-physical was involved, or there was something physical, human physical, but. Uh, uh, created uh, something else, maybe an anomaly through telepathy or even psychokinesis. Let's do our break here. Let's break here. More with Eric, Gene, and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. The United States of Empire is a book that claims the United States is the empire of the world. George Washington had warned us against foreign wars. The United States of Empire shows that World Wars I and II left England broken. Its former colony, the U.S., had to save the empire. Was there ever a vote? Who do we fight for? The deep state began with World War I. The United States of Empire by James Dunn. Available at Amazon Books. Hear that? That's the sound of a house being trashed while a gang of thieves ransack the place. And what they don't steal will be destroyed. This year, resolve not to be the next victim of a break-in. Go to faketv.com and discover a device that creates the illusion someone inside is watching TV, even when you're miles away. Security is a mindset, and fake TV should be part of your security solution. Be vigilant, but not fearful. Faketv.com. 
Age-related macular degeneration is a leading cause of blindness in people over 55, but with treatment it can be slowed down, stopped, and in some cases reversed. Make sure you see your grandchildren grow. Protect your vision by requesting information about diagnosing and treating AMD. Call the Foundation Fighting Blindness today at 1-800-BLINDNESS for a free packet on reversing or managing AMD or go to the website fightblindness.org where I found so much helpful information. Or again, call 1-800-BLINDNESS today. Advertising is simple. It starts with someone who has a need. Mom! And then gets more specific. Mom, I want pizza. Then we add urgency. I want pizza tonight. Before you know it, your GCN advertising message is reaching millions of listeners. Listeners who are definitely in need. We want pizza! You see, advertising on GCN is simple. Your message meets their need, and the result means new business for you. Tell us about your business. Then let our super creative department go to work to craft just the right message to feed those who have an urgent need. We want pizza tonight! GCN has the most affordable national radio advertising rates, period. And millions of people listen to GCN radio programs on over 1,000 AM and FM and XM stations and streaming audio live. Get started today with GCN, the Genesis Communications Network. Just shoot us an email, advertise at GCNlive.com. This is George Dory from Coast to Coast AM and History Channel's Ancient Aliens. We support the amazing energy, nutrition, and skincare products from Jeunesse. Jeunesse products are designed by leading doctors in their field with natural ingredients and even stem cell technology. These products help your body perform and look better. Shop Jeunesse at GCNLife.com or call 1-844-443-6637. GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. Hi, this is Nick Pope. You're listening to the Paracast. Certainly an interesting thing to point out here, an interesting contradiction, you think, in rural areas out in the country where you get a better view of the skies. You don't have as much air pollution like we do here near Phoenix. You'd see more UFOs, but more are seen in the cities. On the other hand, since more people are around, there's more of an opportunity to for them to show up. On the other hand, if the UFO is close enough, the issue of possible air pollution and misty skies doesn't enter the picture, does it? Well, I guess it's sort of like, you know, if a tree falls in the forest, if if there's going to be something there to be seen, it requires an observer to see it. Otherwise, it's simply not going to be experienced. So, you know, there may be a lot of UFO activity somewhere out in the wilderness, simply where there are no people. That's kind of the point I was making is that, well, if it's a human experience, there needs to be humans around to experience it. Yeah, and I would say that even counts uh, if you have, um, you know, strange radar returns that you have maybe nobody uh, physically looking at it, but you have someone who was actually uh, uh, watching the radar or watching the result of the radar. So even in that case where there's a technology, human technology in the middle, you still have to have a human to report something odd. That's that's the nature of UFO. It's, It's a human phenomenon in the sense that they are reported by people. This sort of brings up a, a couple of interesting points that you know maybe you can help us clarify here. Uh, I'm personally, I'm, I'm a ufologist. I've looked at the subject for years. I've uh, made a really concerted effort to track down what the word UFO means from its history, 
uh, all the way to the present. And it seems to me that what we're really dealing with here when people say they're talking about UFOs, I saw a UFO, is that they're assuming that it's just something that's unexplained, but the actual official definitions are far from that. We're talking about with those some sort of craft that is clearly observed but can't be correlated with any known natural or man-made object or phenomena. It's not simply some vague light off in the distance. Uh, so in most cases, when people are talking about what they saw, what we're really talking about aren't UFOs. We're talking about UFO reports. And what those reports contain, what the objects in them are, are often a lot more vague than something that is really clearly defined and well seen or observed. Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, the, the, I use the word UFO because this is the, the commonly used word, but that's definitely not my preferred word. Um, because in, all, in various cases, there's actually no objects uh, involved. This uh, People will see aliens, for instance, and uh, visiting them. There used to be a lot of cases like that. Um, and there's no spaceship or anything seen or involved, but it's still classified as a UFO event. I think a much better uh, description would be extraordinary events. And why I, I would use that word is because if we think that um, other things like hunting and uh, even that would even as far it goes to say the Bigfoot events are more or less just variations of, of parapsychological events, then that makes sense to give a word that's a little bit more flexible and to describe what's going on. So people had a very extraordinary experience and they report it. And uh, you're absolutely right about the wording. We have to be very careful because um, uh, when a, uh, a witness say, oh, I've seen a UFO, it's very important to ask, okay, would you mind to describe in details what you actually saw? And then you figured out, well, they saw a strange light in the sky. So there's that strange light could be a lot of things and doesn't imply that there's actually a, a flying machine. Uh, but they use the word UFO, and then if it's reported as such, then people think they saw a machine, but actually they didn't. They just saw a strange light in the sky. So it's very important also to to um, to explore with the witnesses the words they use to see to have a good understanding of what they actually mean. Right. I think it was Valet who said that uh, one of the most treacherous words in uh, the word UFO is the word unidentified. Now, it seems like we're also dealing with something similar when we get talking about parapsychology. Now, I believe you're a member of the Parapsychological Association. and That's correct. It, it seems like what we're dealing with in a lot of cases with parapsychology are two levels of interpretation. We're talking about something that is more focused on phenomena that has to do with the mind. Uh, they could be uh, sub subjective mostly, or they could be maybe objective in the case of if um, we believe in such things as PK, you know, psychokinesis, where you, know, you can measure the movement of some object. Uh, however, there's other people who extend the term parapsychology out much wider in their focus within the paranormal to include such things as Bigfoot and afterlives and hauntings and that sort of thing. Where do you personally kind of draw the line between what's a parapsychological phenomena and what's a paranormal phenomena? Um, 
Well, my, my approach and uh, is, is really mine, so I am, I'm not uh, talking in the name of all the parapsychologists here, but really only in, in my name. Um, as soon as you have something that could be potentially explained through the use of size, so either uh, uh, extrasensorial sensorial perception or psychokinesis, for me, this is uh, squarely in the field of parapsychology, at least to study it. So... If we think about ghosts, maybe they are actually a form of telepathy through across time. That's a different way to think about it. And then definitely it's within the realm of parapsychology. Um, if we think about, and um, uh, one more tricky is uh, if, we, um, um, the, um, if we use the word synchronicity, which is a meaningful coincidence, a term used by Carl Jung, uh, to explain psychokinesis, uh, you wish that something uh, uh, physical happened, and then a few days later, someone out of the blue uh, does that thing, moves into things. That's actually, in a way, could be seen as a form of, of, of parapsychology, of psychokinesis through synchronicity. If you have a wide understanding and approach to these things, then the the, the net can be cast pretty wide. Uh, if you have a, uh, um, an, an approach that only accepts uh, laboratory experiments, then you have a much narrow focus. But I'm one who have a, a wide focus. I think uh, anything that uh, happens that, based, um, that cr is created out of our will, but not happening uh, through Zurich uh, cause and effect is a potential topic for study for parapsychology. I'm not saying that all these events are anomalies, but they are potential topics. That really helps to clarify things. So then what we're dealing with here then is, um, from my perspective as a ufologist, we're dealing with physical material craft of alien origin, not necessarily extraterrestrial. We don't know where they come from. They might come from some other uh, universe, for example. And if, and and in your case, when we're talking about parapsychology, we're talking about a mental projection, or that causes people to believe that they're seeing a UFO when there isn't actually one there. So we're dealing with two completely different kinds of phenomena, and therefore, I don't think that either one of us can claim that uh, something that is experienced is definitely one or the other, because ultimately, all human experiences are subjective in nature. Everything that we observe comes through our mind. Uh, it goes back to the philosophical question of, you know, are we brains in vats? Uh, the entire universe could be a subjective experience or some sort of vast simulation. We don't know. Yeah. Yes. And uh, but I, I would like to underline that um, I still consider my approach uh, the parapsychological hypothesis in the study of UFO, uh, and I insist on the word. This is a hypothesis. So I'm, I don't claim to own the truth. I'm just saying that there are other explanations, and there's good reason to look into those other explanations, uh, which. 
I unfortunately, a lot of people who uh, are into the extraterrestrial hypothesis, the, the word hypothesis is kind of gone. It's, it's the hard belief and nothing will change our mind, which is unfortunate because we still have a dealing with a mystery that's not explained. And I think the the more we try to exchange and, and, and discuss and, di- and create a dialogue between different approaches, more chance to find uh, maybe a little bit more about what's going on. Uh, so, but yeah, I, I want to be clear that my approach is still hypothesis. I don't claim to own the truth, which is probably different from a lot of the writers on UFOs uh, out there. I have a question to start, and we'll continue our next section, which is, does the fact that some people such as Major Donald Kehoe came to their ETH belief so early on has inhibited proper investigation, Eric? Eric Wallet, Gene Steinberg, J. Randall Murphy, you're in. The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot Warning! If you're drowning in debt you can't afford, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to pay it all back, because you don't. What the credit card companies don't want you to know is that there's actually a way to get debt-free without paying off your entire debt or going bankrupt. If you have $5,000 or more in credit card debt, you now have the right to let us settle that debt for a fraction of what you owe. For free information, call Credit Associates now. 1-800-959-5759. We'll even show you how much money you could save. If you can't afford to pay off all your debt, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to. Call Credit Associates now for free information on how to get debt-free faster than you ever thought possible without debt consolidation or bankruptcy. We depend on your success and offer a guarantee, so there's no risk. For free information, call now. 1-800-959-5759. That's 1-800-959-5759. 1-800-959-5759. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Eric Wallet, the question on the table about whether the, shall we say, easy or too quick adoption of the ETH extraterrestrial hypothesis has inhibited proper investigation into the phenomenon. 
I would say yes, uh, because uh, definitely there are people who are, um, you cannot have dialogues with them because they decided the truth is the ATH and end of story. Um, however, I, I would like to add a little, uh, a little uh, spin to this question because uh, from my perspective, uh, those who are uh, the hard believer in the ETH as a collective, uh, as people who spread that story, narrative around actually contributes to the belief uh, that, you know, there's uh, uh, aliens visiting us. And in, in a way, again, as I said earlier, they create conditions for genuine anomalies to occur. So from my perspective, um, I include them in my model and my approaches that they actually participate in creating UFOs because they're spreading beliefs about uh, very strange things in the sky. And that's that's a very different way to look at it. And of course, when uh, I approach people and discuss that way, uh, if they are the hard believers in the ETH, they usually don't appreciate much that approach. But um, uh, in my model, there's room for people like that as well. I find it actually really interesting and, and would like to understand it a little better because if I'm hearing you correctly, you're not opposed to the idea that we are dealing with some sort of objective material craft. And I'm certainly not opposed to the idea that the objects in some UFO reports could be the product of some people's minds. But we've got two completely different contexts, and yet you're saying that one can affect the other. So how is it that when people have an experience that involves an actual craft of some kind, that their experience of that creates more other types of experiences it's kind of like um maybe are we talking gene maybe you can help me with this is that sort of like what bishop is talking about with co-creation well we're participating in what we see so if we're conditioned culturally to expecting spaceships in the science fiction world certainly that would contribute to the final observation how about you, Eric? How, how does that work? How does, uh, a, say, an experience of an actual uh, independently objective craft of some type generate the uh, experience of uh, the, a purely mental experience in someone else? Well, it, the, the, the issue is that if you have, let, let, let's assume there's a craft from another world coming, um, then someone reports it and that and uh, that person has, has um, you know, a lot of uh, uh, strong evidence, not decisive evidence, but strong evidence that convinces a lot of people of other people. Yeah, indeed, we might be visited by uh, by people from another world. And then this 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 dialogue, this narrative spreads around uh, by the normal means of people, you know, exchanging. But and today, you know, mass media and the internet. And that creates a context, a social context, where people actually are more uh, amenable to believe that indeed we're visited by um, aliens or people from another world. And then this creates conditions actually for uh, seeing things that uh, and projecting things that may, will would be really weird, but are not actually 
uh, physical spacecraft, but uh, they are definitely within the realm of parapsychology because then they can be shared telepathically. They may have actually um, psychokinesis effect on the side, and so on. So there's for me there's not um, there's no hard uh, division between the two because um, once you have something inserted into a community, it can have all kinds of effects, including parapsychological effects. That's really interesting, and it. It's it sort of, if you follow each step along the way, there's a certain sort of logic to it. Um, do you think it can happen the other way around? Where, say, people in a community become say, interested in the subject, say, from because they're watching a television show uh, that focuses on uh, alien visitation. Do you think that that sort of shared communal experience could attract an objectively real interest by uh, independent entities that we would refer to as aliens in some sort of craft to, say, uh, become involved in that, to attract their attention in some way? Uh, I would say, uh, in principle, that no, I don't think it's, it's the, the other way around is impossible. Uh, however, I would think that the, the, the other way around might actually be um, uh, uh, objects that uh, for a short period of time um, maybe appeared uh, and then there there's might be some uh, physical element to it. Let's see, it could be a ball of lightning that for a short period of time takes a shape of uh, you know, a classic flying saucer uh, and that's caused by psychokinesis and then that, that shape of electricity then disappears um so you could we also that uh, the other way around uh in playing with uh, natural phenomena uh through psychokinesis I, I there are some cases that discuss that so i, I think this is um, something worth looking into it uh, as well that's really interesting so we're t we, we are talking then about a, a mental phenomena producing a physical phenomena and uh you know that gets way out there it, for sort of the mainstream scientists, not just the uh, sort of hardcore nuts and bolts ufologists. That's, I mean, really, we're we're kind of stretching there the the boundaries of what would be considered uh, science more into pseudoscience, or maybe something that uh, author Sharon A. Hill, who we had on recently, would be would call something scientifical as opposed to actually scientific. Well, obviously, here we're on the edges of of, of research, and and, uh, and but the the issue is that you know ufology, in my opinion, anyway, has been stuck for a long, long time, and and if 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 we want to get unstuck, we have to start to look at other options and and expand our horizon because otherwise we will not get any more results. Um, I'm fully aware that what I'm proposing is is, is in many ways speculative, um, but I'm trying to to start with you know some example, some research out of parapsychology or some documented um, spontaneous cases that you know at least points in the direction that hmm okay then maybe there's some possibilities there that needs to be explored. That's what I'm trying to do. Uh, I try to expand the field because obviously uh, the good old explanations just I haven't delivered much, and uh, so we sh we need to try something different. Well, then again, maybe the tired uh, explanation is also the true explanation. Maybe it's just because 
we as intelligent beings are driven to find things that interest us. And once something becomes boring, we try to put into it ourselves something that makes us more interested in following the subject. I mean, but it's certainly possible that we are simply dealing with craft from some other world and that we don't need to go beyond that explanation because if we do, we just will be confusing things even more. I agree. Uh, however, an explanation that is more complex and, and requires uh, more thinking in the end is usually more satisfying. But if, if people are uh, seek a quick, simple explanation, well, the ETH is, is, is there. If you look in the, in the phenomena, if you talk to experiencers, you quickly see that's far more complex. There's far more variety of experiences out there than we can imagine if we only read you know, general books about UFOs. Let and me so, just interject here. And that yeah. is one of the bugaboos I have with some of the UFO research organizations, can you hear us move on, is that when they collect data from eyewitnesses to anything, it is still heavily focused on an external event rather than the individual that you never know what there is about that individual that may have or caused this event to be perceived. We've got Eric, Jean, and Randall, you're in. The Paracast. Neighbors, we've made such a deal with HelloFresh, and it means that everyone listening to this show can receive $30 off your first week of deliveries when you go to HelloFresh.com and use the offer code PARACAST30. You know, with HelloFresh, you can choose the delivery day that works best for you. They've got a wide variety of chef-curated recipes that change weekly. And can you imagine me cooking Japanese panko chicken? It makes me feel like I'm a chef. It means also that you could actually... Get your meal cooked in 30 minutes. For busy people, this is perfect. The simple recipes include step-by-step instructions so even I can figure it out. Go to HelloFresh.com. Use the offer code PARACAST30 to get $30 off your first week of deliveries. HelloFresh.com. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Marijuana has unleashed a green gold rush across our nation. It's creating $10.8 billion in new wealth a year. And every day, it's transforming more and more Americans into millionaires. Former Speaker of the House John Boehner reveals how you could become one of them. Join him online for the American Cannabis Summit. Attendance is 100% free, but space is limited. Join online at www.acs2018.com. John Boehner and an esteemed panel will reveal which cannabis stocks are primed to deliver life-changing windfalls. Plus, they will show you how to become a cannabis angel investor, backing the hottest startups before they potentially become worth billions of dollars. To join the American Cannabis Summit, visit acs2018.com or text JOIN to 76280. Don't miss this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Text JOIN to 76280. Text JOIN to 76280 now. 
This is Fred. Uh, hi, I'm Fred. Fred's a repeater. I tend to repeat. Fred has a business. I do have a business. And a problem. Fred repeats the same tired advertising over and over, and now it doesn't work. Over and over. But Fred is about to see a vision. I'm seeing a vision. Advertising on the Genesis Communications Network is the smart way for Fred to reach his potential customers with the most affordable national advertising rates, period. Get started today with GCN, the Genesis Communications Network. Just email advertise at GCNlive.com. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. Do you feel like you're losing control over your finances? If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services and take advantage of the Fresh Start program and new laws that may allow us to negotiate a settlement for the lowest amount possible. Our team of tax attorneys and enrolled agents can stop collections and get you protected so you can take control of your financial future. Tax Mediation Services is accredited by the Better Business Bureau. Call now for a free case review and a price protection guaranteed quote. Call Tax Mediation Services now at 800-318-1251. That's 800-318-1251. 800-318-1251. By now you know that wireless technology like cell phones do in fact pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blockit Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockitPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So what is your feeling about that? Is there a way that we can structure these questionnaires to get the information we need to better understand? Well, we definitely could improve the, the, the way the questionnaires are made. But one of the challenge is that if you really want to explore a case uh, and try to, to get more out of the uh, specific case, you have to really understand the world of the person you're interviewing or the persons. And it's first, the first thing you need to do is really build trust. And I'll give you the case um, that I discussed before about the, the Hamilton couple. I mean, they would not tell me their marital affair problems right away. I, I discovered that like several years later, right? And so the, one of the things is that you have to be patient and you have to establish trust and understanding and go back to witnesses, you know, after six months, after a couple of years to see how they're doing. And eventually you may discover things that connects the dots uh, much later on. And that's one of the challenges of those cases. If you do uh, an approach that we have, like the one you described, quick questionnaires, you know, pack it, put it on a database, end of story, thank you, ma'am. I mean, uh, that's not good science. You won't, we won't go very far with that. I want to ask you also about specific cases that have complexity. So, for example, we have two notable cases where people were evidently injured in some way. So John Burroughs was one of the witnesses to Rendlesham, 
And he's been on the Paracast a couple of times. And he talks about what maybe would seem to be some kind of radiation poisoning. We have the Cash Landrum episode. Same year, 1980. Again, people suffering from something that may have a radiation element to it. Now, if what they're seeing is psychological, parapsychological, or anything, how do they become injured by it? And Rendlesham is a case that you refer to in the book. Yes, I I mean, again, like I said, many cases in parapsychology, and it's not just UFOs, uh, you will have a mixture of things. Uh, so you may have a, a real physical phenomenon, but it's not a spaceship from another world. It could be a variety of things. I mean, it could be a satellite that fell off and has some radioactive components to it. But because of the context and because of the beliefs, because of the unconscious situation of the people involved, um, you may have an anomaly that occurs as well. And then people have an experience that this would be classified as UFO, as a UFO experience. But what actually burned them is something human made or something natural. We have to be open to mixed explanations. The fact that someone has a physical injury doesn't mean that's a spaceship from another world. Well, it could be um, something from down to earth, but their experience has anomalistic uh, aspects to it. Now, with the case of Rendlesham and Cash Landrum, I considered one explanation here as a test aircraft, testing a nuclear-powered aircraft that was leaking radiation. Certainly, in the 60s and 70s, at least, they were working on such things as a proper means of propulsion. I think even Stanton Friedman admits that. Absolutely. I think, uh, and we have to remember that until relatively recently, uh, ethics in terms of testing things was much not was not that high in the past. Uh, it's much better now. So, yeah, it's quite possible that they were testing some, uh, you know, new technology. Um, maybe it led to nothing useful, but they had to test it. And you had witnesses were the wrong the wrong place, wrong time. It's it's quite possible, but that the experience was had also other components to it, of maybe of a parapsychological nature as well. Interesting. Um, are you aware of the the Yukon Fox Lake case? Um, I I I had I have a little bit of knowledge about it, but not much. Okay, I think you might be interested in this uh, if you. Are, um, are still, you know, writing about it or creating papers. Uh, this happened back in 1996 when over 30 people in separate locations reported seeing what to them was a football-sized field UFO near Fox Lake in uh, the Yukon. And witnesses described rows of multicolored lights. They said blocked out the stars and shot beams of light down onto the ground. Uh, another witness said the tape deck in her car slowed down and the lights on her dashboard flickered and there's a you can watch a documentary about it actually if you go on to the youtube and now skeptics have said that this object that was cited was actually a re-entering russian space probe so it, it occurred about that time it seemed to be it seemed to fit the right profile for something that was man-made that people interpreted like you're saying, within the realm of their social construct or their socialization, as some kind of UFO. And yet, some of the 
interpretations by those witnesses were not sufficient to be explained as a re-entering space probe, like re hover over a lake. Other witnesses actually describe seeing the craft much closer. So this is a really interesting case to look at in your perspective, where we've got something that happened that causes a real stimulus response that produces an experience that spans a wide range for people, if you, if you get what I'm saying. Am I making any sense there? Yes, I, I, it's um, one of the issue of uh, skeptics try to explain things. Um, they usually do uh, generalizations that are quite questionable, and that's very unfortunate. Um, but um, I, I'm, I don't know all the details of that case, but uh, definitely uh, it seems that um, the witnesses um, have, have, have how, how can I say? I describe things that are uh, quite um, out of the extraordinary, and there's variation in this and their description, which is normal. Um, maybe it is a case where we have something physical, and that is actually not from this world. It could be a mix of things, you know, something from this world, very exotic, maybe a natural phenomenon of some sort, uh, but creating anomalies. I mean, I'm open to to approach this case uh, with with different approaches um but again unfortunately i don't know all the details to 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 um to make a a quick explanation about from a parapsychological perspective right it's it just struck me as being an almost perfect case where what has happened is exactly what you're describing where we've got the environment that is perfect for people interpreting something real as something paranormal, or in, in this, this case, uh, some sort of an alien craft, and very, very clearly as an alien craft in some cases where you couldn't mistake it as re-entering space debris, for example. So it's, um, uh, I think you, you would really probably find that one absolutely fascinating to delve into a little bit. We have other fascinating things to delve into a little bit and a little bit more. We've got Gene, Randall, and Eric. That means you're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hear that? That's the sound of a house being trashed while a gang of thieves ransack the place. And what they don't steal will be destroyed. This year, resolve not to be the next victim of a break-in. Go to faketv.com and discover a device that creates the illusion someone inside is watching TV, even when you're miles away. Security is a mindset, and fake TV should be part of your security solution. Be vigilant, but not fearful. Faketv.com.
Do you feel like many of us? All the distractions in the world taking our minds and focus off what really needs to get done day to day? Well, Jeunesse has a dietary supplement called Mind to help with mental distraction and it supports memory function. Go to GCNLife.com now to check it out. You're only at your best when your mind is at its best. Go to GCNLife.com or call toll free 844-443-6637. That's GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. For USA Radio News, I'm Wendy King. Deadly wildfires are raging in California. In Paradise, 10 people were killed in the most destructive fire in state history. The town was destroyed quickly due to high winds that fanned the flames and hampered aerial support. In Southern California, California. The wind shifted this way and it came down and within three minutes it went from let's monitor it to we were running for our lives. Few people knew if their homes would remain standing when they left. It was all in perfect condition two and a half hours ago when I was standing there. It's sad, but, you know, we didn't get hurt, and that was the important part. 250,000 people in Southern California have been evacuated by wildfires. So far, nearly 200 homes have been destroyed in Los Angeles County. Many famous people have also reportedly lost their homes in Malibu. You're listening to USA Radio News. Were you scammed into signing a timeshare contract? And did you miss the part that said you have to pay for your great idea? Not only for the rest of your life, but when you're not here anymore, you get to pass this turkey onto your family for them to pay for the rest of their lives. Thanks, Dad. Don't burden your family down the road, and don't be stuck with expensive timeshare payments forever. Get out of your bad idea, timeshare contract guaranteed, or pay nothing. Call Resort Release today and learn for free how their timeshare exists team can help you legally exit your timeshare contract. They've helped thousands of people and they're A-plus rated with a BBB. So if you feel scammed, get mad and get out of your expensive timeshare contract right now, guaranteed. Call N-O-W. 800-586-7112. That's 800-586-7112. Hi, this is Sophie Winnick, longtime distributor and user of Longevity products. In the last few years, my family went through a crisis. Everything else in my life, including my business, had to be put on the back burner. Thankfully, life is getting back to normal now. But the one thing I never had to worry about was my business and my monthly commission. I've been a distributor for Longevity for over 17 years, since before it was Longevity. And I've got to say, the most amazing thing about this company is the people. While my family was in crisis, other distributors stepped in and helped my customers simply because that's what longevity people do, even for people they don't know. For me, it has never been about getting rich. It was about a product I could stand behind, a company I could count on, and a monthly commission check that has never not once been late in 17 years. Longevity is truly a business for everyone, even people who have too much to do. I'm Sophie Winnick. I'm just like you. I have a real life, real ups and downs, but I know I will always have longevity. Eric Wellett is joining us with Gene and Randall. Randall, you want to pick up on the discussions and maybe soon get into that question we have from the forum? Right. Well, I think we kind of covered 
all we can with the Fox Lakes incident right away here. There's the other case, of course, in Canada, the Falcon Lake incident, where, uh, like you mentioned, Gene, we have a witness who was burned uh, by the experience. So, you know, hot exhaust from a uh, craft that he physically touched. And so, I mean, that's rather hard to explain as some sort of psychological manifestation. Uh, yes, I mean, uh, I, I touched on that case in my book, um, but again, I look at more of the the larger context of uh, when it happened in Canada, what was going on there. Uh, one of the things that I, I've, I found fascinating is the symbolism involved in that case. And then uh, some, some of the skeptics are, were saying that uh, the Burnley God could have been produced by other things. I don't know. I, I didn't dig into the, the physical aspect of that one case. But um, the, the witnesses appears all very sincere. Uh, there's no reason to not believe him. So it, it makes one of those cases, um, I would say, interesting. But my, my in that one specific case, I think it's the larger context that makes it more an anomaly in a sense of it's as, it appears that many of the UFO events that happening in Canada at that time uh, had some sort of symbolic meaning of, of where they were happening uh, or, or what time they were happening. So that's that's that I found that case has more to it than just the an individual uh, seeing a, a something physical and being burned by it. I think there's a lot more to it. Uh, this is a good time to actually segue into the question we have on the question bank from Farlig Goulstein, who says he'd like to hear you talk about the Tehran UFO interception by F-4 Phantoms, which included ground and air crew visual on some sort of an object, radar detection, lock and track. Yes. How does things like that happen? Do you have any comments on that case? It's an interesting case. The, the the number of explanations have been given in the past about uh, being American technology being tested, Russian technology, I mean, Soviet at the time. I don't know. I, one of the things that, again, is interesting is that that case happened not long before uh, the Iranian revolution uh, that uh, put uh, the regime of the Shah out um, again is it uh, a collective stress that, that of uh, people sensing the, what's upcoming and it manifested itself in that particular way and whatever physically caused that uh, it was just a, an instrument of our collective unconscious to to make it happen that's how I would I would start to look into it because the the, the dates of those events are very interesting in uh, in the history of that country Yes, certainly. You can definitely look at um, things that occur against the background of the socio-political context and climate of the times. No question about it. However, I think a a radar is rather neutral in in that it's not going to pick up something that isn't there. And let, yeah, well, I mean, the radar is, is a complex machine, and they uh, they do have uh, they pick up things that are very uh, like a concentration of of of, uh, of air. You know, they will pick it up, and uh, then there's all the electronics, how it interprets that data. Radars are far more complicated than than, than we think, uh, so we have to be careful about them when we invoke uh, the neutrality of radars because there are and even today uh, you know there's sophisticated electronics and computation in there um, that will eliminate things and add things that are based on our assumptions of what 
you know, we expect to see in the sky. So it's a bit more complicated than that when we talk about radar. Well, definitely. Uh, I'd have to agree with you there that you know, any piece of data that we get is subject to interpretation. So uh, how we interpret it, that's really important. I'm the first to admit that I think strange things happen and that it is our interpretation of those events that is should be studied more and to be sure that we're getting it right if we can if if we can even do that how can we do that then when we have these sorts of things what sort of means could we use to prove one way or the other what's going on in these cases this is very difficult because uh, these are spontaneous cases if there is something physical that caused it it's gone so there's no way to put our hands on it. So that's very difficult in one in, in many ways. And then if we look at the, the the social aspect and the psychological aspect, the best we can do is actually try to correlate. You know what happened, the symbolism of what happened at that time. That's uh, the kind of proof, quote unquote, that you will see in the social science that will not satisfy people or who have a very uh, narrow view of science. But in social science, that's how we do things. That's the correlations. uh, That's the best we can do. And Farley Goldstein also asks what you would, it's not so much a question, but he hopes there will be some discussion on the more recent 2004 Tic Tac encounter in which he says, according to Senior Chief Kevin Day, the ranking enlisted radar NCO on the supporting ships, talks about how these objects were tracked over the course of several days. And then, of course, we have uh, the pilots, say David Fravor, who actually saw them with his own eyes as well. And while they were caught, well, not while, but later they were also caught by the cameras on other aircraft, uh, infrared cameras, I believe. So I mean, it seems like from a combination of all these data points, we're not simply dealing with uh, some sort of psychological manifestation. It doesn't seem reasonable to propose that. Exactly what it is, I'm not sure, but wh- what do you think of that case? There's been quite a bit about it in the media over the last year. Well, it's one of those interesting cases. Uh, it reminds me of the one in Belgium where you had many data points, uh, things happening over a long period of time. Skeptics will, will probably uh, say that uh, it could be just testing a new technology. The radars, they picked up things. People saw lights, but, you know, is there really a craft out there that can be from another world or something that can we just imitate because there's some technology that can do that? I don't know. Again, um, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating case. And, and what I'm saying, I would say is that even if there is something from another world that was involved in that, uh, it would be useful to look at where there are also other events of uh, that general um, uh, story that would be more parapsychological in nature. Maybe in some of those events, people didn't see anything uh, physical, but they, they had to share telepathic events as well. I think it's worth to look at that dimension anyway, even if we're sure 100% there would be uh, something physical, not from this world behind it. It's worth looking at the, at the other aspects as well. That's a really interesting question. I, I don't think anyone has delved into the case from that particular aspect and interviewed people, crew members on the ships and pilots and so on, to determine if any other strange events happened while this entire sequence of events was going on in the sky. 
Yes, and there might have been some tensions uh, in in the area that's that maybe they were chasing, um, you know, some uh, Chinese or Russian submarines, who knows, and that's classified and for good reasons, but uh, it, it might, that that tension might have participated in also to in creating the events. So it's, but that would be harder to find if there's something of that nature because of the military context in which it happened. Right. But yes, from the uh, cultural geog- geographic perspective of Polk's Kingsbury, though, I think that it should be included if, if possible. I mean, getting that kind of data could be difficult, but it would be really fascinating. And I, I really like your sort of perspective on it, your take, your view into the cultural geographical aspect of the paranormal. And I'd like to see, I'd like to see a map how it all plays out, where you could have different, say, you know, how they have maps with regions of different religions um, marked out in different colors to identify people's different beliefs. It would be really interesting to see a map like that of different paranormal beliefs. Let's do our break here. We've got Eric, Randall, and Jean. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the purest for you and your family. For over 14 years, thousands have depended on Berkey Clean Water. The Berkey Guy has you covered at home, work, and on the go with water filtration systems of every size for every budget. Now, GCN listeners receive 10% off ceramic filter systems using code GCN at GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. 
In these uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel-burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Minuteman Rocket Stove is a biomass-burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Minuteman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. If you owe money to the IRS, you need to hear this. The IRS is cracking down on those who owe back taxes. It starts with a devastating letter. And if you don't act immediately, you could find yourself having your wages garnished or have a lien placed on your property. But there's a solution. Tax 10,000 can help. Avoid enforced compliance, where these holds on your income and seizure of your home could become a nightmare that just won't end. Call 800-239-9957 now and speak to one of our experts. 800-239-9957 is the number to link you directly to a tax resolution specialist who will negotiate with the IRS on your behalf. Working through the IRS Fresh Start program, all the forms will be handled for you. All you have to do is make the toll-free call. 800-239-9957. Find out if you qualify and possibly save yourself thousands of dollars, not to mention a lot of headaches. It could be the best call you've made today. That number again, 800-239-9957. The service does not provide tax settlement or legal services. We will refer you to a company that does provide such services. Often the IRS will not agree to any reduction in the amount owed. Not all taxpayers who owe more than $10,000 will qualify for a tax reduction program. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists, get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and sling bows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow, a new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So, Randall posed a very interesting scenario there. Eric, would you have a response? The question about the Tic Tac uh, observations? Uh, no, more about the cultural geographical distribution oh, of experiences. Um, well, it, um, it's really based on, on, on belief system. I mean, I had, um, I had the chance to talk to a geographer who was doing that kind of research. And he was looking in uh, native people from, uh, from Canada. Um, and he was trying to find older sacred places for them that are now the globe, uh, you know, this, this, this uh, small town and villages. Uh, but there are some areas that were not built. And um, he, he actually had a anomalistic experience uh, during that research. And so it, it's interesting that even he was probably one of the few people who was really uh, into understanding the sacredness of that landscape for that specific uh, native groups. And he had an experience. So it can be very small in nature or it can be very big if you think about, you know, uh, millions and millions of people sharing certain beliefs. Uh, the, the key example of the larger is, uh, um, you know, Marian apparitions. You know, people claim to see the Virgin Mary. Uh, you know, in Portugal, this uh, 10,000 people had the observation. In Egypt, uh, 
talking about tens of thousands of people had um, experience like that. So that map would be actually very complex because you could go to the very small, very tiny number of people to a very large number of people. So it's, it would be complex things to do, but also could be quite interesting. Have you done any of that, uh, tried to actually plot out geographically the different types of phenomena as they're associated with the cultural background? Yes, there are people who do that kind of research uh, in, in academia, but they don't, uh, they don't pay any attention of the, to the anomaly or the, whatever people uh, cons- consider something as, as um, divine manifestation or sacred manifestation. But there are, yeah, there are definitely people in the uh, sociology of religion, for instance, who do this kind of, of uh, association, but uh, they don't, uh, at best, they just say, we don't know what happens and we're not looking into it. So that's uh, just a different um, types of research, I would say. This is really interesting because you also uh, work as a strategic analyst at the Center for Operational Research and Analysis as part of the defense research and development here in Canada. Now, the paranormal and these types of experiences could actually be used, I would think, in a defense type of way, a a type of uh, psyops, for example. And we've got People like John Alexander, who says that, well, yes, in fact, the beliefs of people and cultures are used in a military context. How do you think that might fit into the picture here with the case of UFOs? This goes back to uh, an older sub-discipline called the sociology of rumors. Try to understand how a rumor sticks and others don't. And uh, definitely, if if uh, you pick, if you want to spare the rumor to help you in, in military terms or to achieve some strategic objectives, you have to pick something that uh, people are, are already believing in some ways. So um, I was uh, discussing that uh, recently uh, through my work, and uh, one of the fascination they had is uh, there's this rumor uh, in the United States in Washington D.C. that there was a satanic club through a pizzeria near the white house uh, that you know abducting children i mean there's absolutely no foundation to this story uh, after people researched it uh, carefully but they were asking themselves why the story is sticking and a lot of people make stories every day but they don't all stick then you have to look into the the culture and the social context in the united states where you know there's the a lot of people are, are worried about governments. They're, they don't trust government. And so you had, uh, you know, child abuse into that mix. And yeah, it can stick. So when they do, uh, people do information operations, that's what they do. The question is, uh, was uh, the UFO phenomenon used also for some information operations? Some people claim that it actually happened. Uh, I would say it may be. Uh, I would say that in Canada, we certainly didn't do that. Um, but um, again, this if if it's true, then it's actually enhanced the belief in UFOs uh, as a alien phenomenon. And therefore, again, it may uh, create conditions for genuine anomalies to occur. Okay, a genuine anomaly could be the same as a genuine experience. Are, are we talking about a genuine experience or an independently objective material craft? 
when you say a ge- you know a genuine I, when anomaly. I say genuine anomaly I, I, I speak in parapsychological terms so something so information was acquired through non normal means or matter was altered through non normal means that's what I mean that's, that, I, I, um, that's okay. the, the meaning so some things people had a real experience we're still not sure exactly what it was but the experience was real it wasn't just something that was made up like a hoax correct right okay that's that's pretty interesting um we could even look back i i would suggest to something like the robertson panel that far back where people were concerned that the reporting of ufos could actually cause more problems than the ufos themselves and therefore they brought in measures to try to downplay the whole thing yes there was uh i would say part of the paranoia of the cold war especially the early days of the cold war where they were so worried about what the soviet union might do i think the research have shown shown since that they were a bit exaggerating but uh, yes it, it's an example of what what uh, people worry about uh, and it's important to understand that um, an idea or rumor will stick uh, because the social context is actually favorable to it, and it's very ch- hard to change these things. So, um, if you want, if we want to 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 tell a story, but has no um, no uh, socially speaking or culturally speaking makes no sense. There's no amount of of uh, disinformation that will actually make that uh, information to stick. It just doesn't work. So we really have to look at the social context. So the point I'm trying to make is that the people who do information operations are not almighty, far from it. And I think you make a, a, made another point briefly back when we were talking about the uh, Nimitz UFO, the more recent uh, Tic Tac event, that what we could be dealing with is actually some sort of exotic technology that we've created that is uh, more easily covered up by explaining it as a UFO, something mysterious, something from another world. Oh, it wasn't ours. It must have been a UFO. And that, that could be used as disinformation or deflection from a strategic perspective. I think they did that back uh, also in the uh, early modern era with those skyhook balloons that people were reporting, but they were secret and people couldn't say, well, you know, it was a secret project. It, they just well, you know, it must have been in a UFO or an alien or something. Uh, yes, but I think in most cases, um, what happens is that that the people involved in those research they just don't speak. I mean, the example of the uh, the balloons that were used in the fifties, uh, the research were classified, and they lost a number of those balloons because you know winds and stuff like that. And they actually people were reading newspaper looking for stories of ufos so uh so they have an idea to find their balloon they lost uh, so the, the kind of the other way around uh, the stories were useful for finding their stuff um, but they couldn't speak to people uh, and uh, and so today I, we have probably similar events where if something is is tested things goes wrong and then people talk, uh, start to talk about ufos well the people involved in that research are not allowed to speak and say to correct people, no, 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 we're just doing uh, testing that's uh, top secret technology. They can't do that. Um, so they just let it go. But, uh, but to actively spread the rumors about UFOs, that's another story. Uh, there's um, Greg Bishop, 
I identified a, a good case of that, but that's the, uh, and he was able to find um, the main uh, the main guy involved in this, and he, he admitted it fairly easily. So to see a big, big, big conspiracy into this, I have a hard time to to see it because um, that's not how it works. And uh, and if if there is a conspiracy, people talk. I mean, it took. Uh, uh, you know the, the the people who are, are found the the Nixon conspiracy in the 1973, just two journalists working on it part time, and they brought the most powerful man uh, on it down. So it's it conspiracies are hard to to hide. Now remember though, the two people who brought down Nixon were helped by the second in command from the FBI, Mark Felt, alias Deep Throat, Eric, Gene, and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast Jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. If you go to store.theparacast.com, stop by and take a shopping tour. Message and data rates may apply. Please don't text while driving. If you've been in business more than 20 minutes, you've probably printed your logo on all kinds of promotional products. We all know logos work because they're on everything from the top of skyscrapers to the bottom of shoes. Ever wondered why or how to best use your logo to grow your business? Let us show you today for free. We're 4imprint, promotional product experts at your service. We're giving away the latest issue of Amplify, the digital magazine that reveals promotional product success stories absolutely free to everyone who texts UP77 to 88988. At 4imprint, we make your logo look perfect on thousands of promotional items. With our 100% guarantee, it'll be right the first time, on time, every time. Your free e-magazine will reveal invaluable insights that can attract new customers, build your brand, and grow your business. Get the latest issue of Amplify absolutely free by texting UP77 to 88988. That's UP77 to 88988. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. I want to bring up another subject here quickly because it's something in your book. Barney and Betty Hill, perhaps the most famous abduction episode outside of Pascagoula or Travis Walton or Whitley Strieber. What are your observations? 
Well, this is a well-known case. Uh, it's just a case that uh, was produced into a book uh, and then a, a TV uh, film was discussed extensively. Uh, Betty was actually involved in the UFO movement and uh, she had an interest in the UFO actually before her experience happened. Uh, this one is interesting because, you know, they, they uh, the, again, the timing and when it happens, the situation of the couple, they were a mixed couple in terms of, uh, of uh, racial background and uh, in America at that time. So that case has a lot of uh, social underpinnings that are very important to understand uh, what happened to them. One of the things that, that um, I, I like to underline um, in my book when I say that um, maybe um, Barney was, uh, quote-unquote, hallucinating or seeing a boss in the sky, I'm not saying there was a physical boss there. It's just that something looks like a boss. So for those who read the book, uh, I encourage them to, to think about uh, I never meant to see, say that they're actually saying something physical. But they they actually uh, had a shared telepathic experience at the time. They in turn interpreted as a UFO event. Part of me has to ask, you know, where these telepathic experiences are are coming from? Because we're still talking about cause and effect. So, uh, is it sufficient to simply say that people's unconscious is conjuring this stuff up and then passing it along to someone else, or? No, research on telepathy is ongoing, but um, I think a few things that we know is that the uh, the unconscious mind will use telepathy as a alternate channel when there's something that needs to be expressed. So it's not something that happens uh, all the time. That's the first thing. The second thing also is that uh, for that to happen, uh, the two or more people involved, they have to have something in common. The, more, the most usual situation is people who like each other, a couple, um, you know, parents and their children. So they have this deep uh, bond. But you may have people have a bond also based on other issue, member of community, a member of a, of a, of a church, member of a association and they you know they know each other well uh, or people actually share the same worries about the future of their community there has to be something that connects their these people to some emotional level why would that manifest in the form of an unidentified flying object though that that's what i'm wondering like you would think it would you know manifest in in a way where if you know say people say if they're community church burned down and you have a connection between them all in that particular manner that perhaps instead of seeing you know a ufo they might see uh you know interpret a some anomalous phenomena as a visitation from an angel or something like that boy and it does happen i mean i'm, I'm the explanation i give is to all forms of of those shared telepathic visions i can give you an example of uh during 9-11 there was uh, in New Jersey people who actually saw the Virgin Mary in the sky. Now, after some uh, research, you discover uh, that what they actually meant is that they saw planes in the sky uh, where the trail was making a cross, right? Because they were going in different directions and they saw many in the sky. So they interpreted it as a, uh, an apparition of the Virgin Mary. But the, the point here is that you know that collective that the group of believers or they were catholic in that case they shared that one thing in common and that 
the vision that what they interpret as the manifestation of the Virgin was shared very quickly uh, among themselves. Now, there was probably nothing anomalous in that case. It was just planes trying desperately to find an airport to land. But um, it just illustrates that it doesn't have to be a UFO. It can be all kinds of things. Interesting. Um, okay, so... Uh this is where I'm going to get into the conspiracy theory here with <laughs> because uh, I'm sure uh, if I'm thinking it, there's got to be other people thinking it as well. Isn't it rather convenient from the perspective of a defense organization who doesn't want the public to know that there are actual alien craft for someone who's a strategic analyst working in the defense department to simply write it all off as some sort of a mental fabrication? Uh, well, we have to be, uh, let, let's make a, that statement in, in, in context. Um, if, if we will go back to the 1950s, 1960s, and early 1970s, uh, especially in the United States, but Canada had the same challenge as well. People were, you know, saying that they were seeing strange things in the sky. There was, and then eventually the, we had um, a community of UFO researchers and, and, and UFO, UFO clubs and so on and so forth. And uh, U.S. Air Force and in Canada, the, uh, the, uh, the Royal Canadian Air Force were receiving all kinds of reports that they couldn't care less about because they have other things to do. So uh, the reflex to throw it into a bag and say, you know what, we're not interested in this. We did some research and research showed nothing conclusive, but it's not dangerous, so let's move on. Uh, that was kind of the, the, the attitude. Um, I think in the United States, uh, the, um, the institution of the Air Force was more burnt by this because probably uh, our, our uh, neighbors in the South are more vocal about their government than us in Canada. And so they, they're more apprehensive. And when people start about UF, talking about UFO, they just run away. And they don't want to be involved because they don't want to be misquoted and et cetera. Um, but the reality is that in the defense establishment, this is a non-topic. Uh, I mean, I did research myself uh, to see if there was anything written, even in the classified world. And there was very, very little. And the little that was there was absolutely of no interest whatsoever. Um, so it's not part of the thinking. It's not part of the the preoccupations. Now, I would say that there are some people um, uh, who probably former U.S. Uh, government employees, probably in some intelligence agency, who enjoyed uh, kind of keeping the flame alive about uh, the conspiracy of UFO because it's good for them because they have fun because it helps them publish books or so on and so forth. But the reality is that, you know, this is a topic that is of little interest uh, from the institution of government. And there are some individuals who are personally interested in this. Yes, indeed. But uh, that doesn't mean the institution is actually interested. How do we know that? I mean, if it's secret, we're not going to know. Right. Well, yes, but uh, to for people inside, and, and uh, I can I can talk for me, but uh, th this is a non-topic. This is no, there's no interest in that. Uh, this is never discussed because there's no one interested. And if you approach the topic, people laugh, and you know, uh, some people will be say, "Ah, hey, yes, I saw something strange," but you know what? 
it's just something strange in the sky and that's it and the story it's not what you used to be where uh you know in the 50s 60s and 70s where you know they didn't know what it was they were kind of a bit worried about it that's all gone and if you take a look at other country like france for instance the government, the the military and civilian organization are working together uh, openly to this, to see if there's something there, um, with the the premise that you know there might be nothing there, but you know people are interested, so we will put some data as available, and um, they have been uh, very very good co collaborations. Um, Sweden as well, they have the same uh, same uh, kind of cooperation, and and they haven't found anything really out of the uh, extraordinary so far. Speaking of recent stuff also, this so-called Pentagon UFO study that came to light and became attached to the to the Stars Academy for Arts and Sciences, headed up by a rock star. Do you have a perception of that and whether that has had any value to researching UFOs or is it just a sideshow or nothing, a flash in the pan. We'll have that question answered if there is an answer, and maybe there's not. Okay, with Eric Ouellette and Gene Steinberg and the one and only J. Randall Murphy. There can be no substitutes. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Hello, this is Dr. Bill Deagle, MD of Nutramedical.com, announcing the breakthrough Red Deer Velvet DR. It delivers the protected building blocks of all organs and tissues, allowing your own stem cells as architects and engineers to regenerate you. Not since fetal life, when aging does not occur, has such an amazing Nutramed been available to help heal you and regenerate you. Anti-aging requires that you correct mineral, activate nutraceutical, and jump the gene defects and poor diet you have to deliver the cellular tools for regeneration. You must remove old damaged cells and replace them with your young healthy cells to wind the biological clock to a younger you. Order your Red Deer Velvet DR now at Nutramedical.com 24-7 or 888-212-8871. That's Nutrimedical, N-U-T-R-I, medical, M-E-D-I-C-A-L.com. Or call our order line, 
In these uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel-burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniman Rocket Stove is a biomass-burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. Attention business owners and independent contractors. This is a money-saving message from Tax Mediation Services. If your business owes $20,000 or more in taxes, we can help you today, right now. Listen, dealing with the IRS is no picnic. It's an intimidating and extremely stressful process, and you don't want to go it alone. Our attorneys know every law, every tax break, and every possible opportunity to help you resolve and reduce your tax debt. And if you owe more than $20,000, you may be at the top of their hit list. So don't take your tax debt lightly because it will not go away on its own. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, your home, and even shut down your business. Call our tax experts today at 1-800-318-4349 and let us deal with the IRS while you focus on your business. That's 1-800-318-4349. Again, that's 800-318-4349. This is Fred. Uh, Hi, I'm Fred. Fred's a repeater. I tend to repeat. Fred has a business. I do have a business. And a problem. Fred repeats the same tired advertising over and over, and now it doesn't work. Over and over. But Fred is about to see a vision. I'm seeing a vision. Advertising on the Genesis Communications Network is the smart way for Fred to reach his potential customers with the most affordable national advertising rates, period. Get started today with GCN, the Genesis Communications Network. Just email advertise at GCNlive.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. See, I compliment people sometimes. That's because you're very complimentary. I sure am. I resemble that remark. Eric, what's your response? Well, uh, you know, I, I think there was somebody there with uh, good intentions, try to see, you know, what do we know about this? And then get uh, some people, you know, younger people interested in the topic to, you know, make the curriculum more interesting. I think there was, there's nothing more than that. Okay. I think it's kind of a flash in the pan myself. We're not hearing too much about it now at all. So there was the flurry. At least we got the Washington Post and the New York Times publishing supposedly positive information, but they're still looking at UFOs like so many people in the framework of it's ET is here. And Eric, what do we do about that? If the majority, vast majority of those interested in the subject are looking for ET, the media is looking for ET. How do we change any of that? Is it possible? No, uh, the media is just one thing that uh, one of the fundamental dynamics of, of the mass media and the one, uh, the one that makes money, they cater to what people want to hear and what they want to read about. Uh, so if, if the majority of the population uh, has a, 
uh, ETH interests, then they will report that away. So they're always, I would say they're they are behind the curve. Uh, sometimes they will break a story that will change perception, but most of the time they are behind the curve because they're there to, you know, make sure that people, um, uh, you know, read the newspaper, watch their, their newscast so they can, you know, generate revenues. It's a, it's a very simple answer to this uh, issue, but they, are, they tend to be conservative in that way, in the sense that they will produce what people want to hear. And I think uh, in the United States, uh, some uh, news uh, media uh, and news organization are aligned with certain political parties and others are with other parties. I think that's uh, not a big secret. And so they will they cater news to what people want to hear and, and on topic that people are interested in. Well, the other thing is, of course, remember the news, especially in the US, is a profit-making enterprise. It's about ratings. If Fox News tomorrow, I believe, found they could make more money from becoming liberal, get a bigger audience, don't you think they'd change? Yes, the problem is that they have competition. So they would have to compete with uh, the New York Times and other uh, news outlets. But I I cannot see Fox News to really uh, make a big story about uh, some uh, liberal program that works very well, and we should celebrate it that their viewership are not interested in that, so they won't do that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, theoretically, if the, the mood change and let's say the United States uh, become, the, the, the ranks of the conservatives is, is, uh, would be shrinking, then uh, Fox News would move on for sure. If we could return for a moment to the level of cooperation that you're saying that the government is giving to UFO researchers, uh, I'd like to know specifically what that means because if we really want to know what's going on and civilian researchers i find it difficult to believe are going to have access to what they have access to we're talking about ultra secret defense facilities that they don't want anybody outside the defense department to know how it works let alone monitor they can track things in space, you know, down to floating nuts and bolts. They've got satellites out past the moon. We don't have people in positions who can monitor what's going on with those. We just simply have to take their word for it. So uh, I'm not really sure that I'm ready to accept that they're telling us everything. <laughs> well, uh, the problem is that if if they use a sophisticated system to a radar or other sensing system, they don't want to reveal these systems because, you know, the other side, you know, whether it's Russia or China or any other uh, potential adversary, we don't want to give them information so, so by accident. So that's the first thing to keep in mind is things are kept secret, not because there is a big, big conspiracy behind, but simply because, you know, the, these things are to gather intelligence on other humans and they don't want uh, our adversary know about that. So that's the first thing. And two, well, yes, there's people inside, of course, they can't talk. But, you know, in this age of, uh, of whistleblowers, I mean, who brought data, like tons of data. If you think about um, some website that uh, have been famous lately about that. I mean, if there would be something about UFOs, I would think that that would the, be, the beans would have been spilled out 
pretty long time ago, and yet nothing. Well, they, so, well, that's not true. It has been spilled. We've got Freedom of Information Act documents that clearly say that pilots have chased these objects, and they've been tracked on radar so many times now that it's taken for granted. Even the original projects from back in the 60s were classified as secret. They studied them for 20 years. You had Ruppelt himself come out and say that their own scientists back in the day determined that what we're dealing with is something alien. They figured at that time probably interplanetary. And that particular document, known as the Estimate of the Situation, was ordered destroyed. But he saw it himself. We've had people come out and say, look, What's going on behind the scenes is far from the way you're describing it, Eric. Well, I'm sorry, but the governments, the various governments, whether it's Canada, United States, uh, yeah, they, they, they classify data. So, yeah, sometimes under pressure, sometimes more willingly. It depends on the, the case and the, the time frame we're talking about. But if, if there was uh, documents proving that the government uh, has extensive knowledge about an alien civilization visiting this planet, they would be out. And definitely, we don't have that. We have stories of jet fighters chasing stuff. Yes, we have uh, stories of uh, military personnel that interpreted their experience as maybe aliens, but again, that's their personal interpretation. There would be an institutional uh, collective decision that uh, continued throughout time that there would be extensive knowledge about an alien civilization. There's absolutely nothing about this. And I would think that this data would be out and in a, you know, in a very strong, well-documented way. They would come out one way or another. And yet we have nothing of that nature. So that's what I mean by, by, uh, by the spilling the beans in the, the, the right. Food. The real issue. I, th I think that's maybe moving the goalposts a bit, though. I mean, there's there's a complete difference between saying, well, evidence of an alien civilization and evidence of alien craft in our atmosphere. We have documentation from officials who say that they're not fictitious or visionary, that they appear to be metallic, that they've been tracked on radar and chased by airplanes, that many people have seen them, not only in the military, but in civilian life. It just seems unbelievable that a person would just say, well, none of that really means anything. It's all a figment of some sort of imaginary effect caused by some unexplained psychological phenomena. <laughs> well, um, again, the fact that there are strange things in the sky doesn't make them aliens. Because the, if we go back to what we said earlier, this is a materialistic explanation. So again, we would have the materialistic proof. More to come with Eric Jean and Randall, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. By now, you know that wireless technology like cell phones do, in fact, pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blocket Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality, American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockitPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. 
Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp-made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. For USA Radio News, I'm Wendy King. Californians are scrambling for help with deadly wildfires that are burning in the state. Some of the evacuation centers have run out of room. Ventura County Supervisor Peter Foy. Any of the public that can help your neighbors, please do that. This is a difficult time for all of us. And as we, you know, a lot of these closures are going to continue as the winds are going to come back up in the next few days. It's very, very important that we continue to keep this community strong and together. The Camp Wildfire in Paradise has killed at least 10 people. Four of them were burned in their cars as they tried to escape. Only three roads lead to the mountainous town that is surrounded by steep canyons. The main road is the skyway that runs along the spine of a steep ridge for many miles. There was no way for the people to escape, and many people are still looking for missing loved ones. You're listening to USA Radio News. If you're over the age of 50 and considering buying an annuity in the next 60 days, I have some important news for you. Don't buy an annuity until you understand the pros and cons of annuities. A free book to help you maximize your retirement income from television host and three-time author Josh Melberg has been released. This book reveals little-known truths about annuity strategies in simple-to-understand terms. Grab a pen right now because we are about to offer you this free book that unlocks the five little-known secrets we believe baby boomers and seniors should know before buying an annuity. Call 800-985-1813 now and you'll receive a free copy of Josh Milberg's book, Next Gen Annuity Strategies Revealed. As a bonus, we'll also send you a copy of The Number One Mistakes Retirees Are Making With Their Investments Today and a free DVD on how you can get up to 33% more income in retirement. Call 800-985-1813 now. Again, that's 800-985-1813. Employees of J.D. Milberg Financial have the appropriate licenses for the products they offer. Non-attorney paid spokesperson. Could your house go into foreclosure? Are you behind on your mortgage payments? Does it seem like the bank has no interest in helping you save your home and you feel like you have nowhere to turn for help? Then we have good news for you. Foreclosure Protection Services can help save your home as they specialize in foreclosure assistance. That's all they do. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, or been the victim of a predatory loan, it's critical that you call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-667-9035. Their network of attorneys and their agents are available to speak to you now. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, Foreclosure Protection Services can help stop the foreclosure process. Call today before it's too late. New laws are in effect that may save your home. Call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-667-9035. 800-667-9035. That's 800-667-9035. Hi, it's Grant Cameron from PresidentialUFO.com. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. With Gene, Randall, and Eric, we continue our discussion looking at 
the alternatives to ETH. Eric, you started a discussion in our previous segment, and as usual, the clock said, you got to stop for a second. Can we pick up on that? Yes. So um, what I was saying is that the the fact that the military personnel have, have, have witnessed strange things in the sky, um, but yet we don't we never put our hands on those things, and then we don't have the proof that it's alien in nature. We we can speculate, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But um, moving from a speculation to a proof, there's a big step here that we have process as far as I know so that's the first thing but two uh, we have to remember that the, the the military reporting system for those things so how what is reported how it is investigated uh, doesn't lead to looking into the more parapsychological aspects of it so there might be things but just they're not investigated so how we would know and uh, there are a few situations I'm aware that the the questions was raised uh, by the investigator but it's it remained as such so we can give a, can give a specific example the uh, Rendlesham uh, UFO incidents uh, one of the things that was I found personally fascinating is that the um, people some people said they heard uh, animals in a farm uh, the screaming but that farm was abandoned there was no animals there for a long long time for many years before uh, before the incident so the story is the question is that is there here something some of um, a collective uh, telepathy but of uh, audio aspects to it and and so that's an interesting aspect of that case that is if you look at it from a strictly military perspective oh probably the wind they heard noise who cares and they move on they're looking for something physical and so you ask you don't ask the right questions to find if there is something parapsychological involved that's a big thing here what questions to ask and that's what we were talking about earlier in the episode the fact that ufo research organizations that are busy collecting data and they're sincere i suppose if they're not trying to evangelize the eth but they're not asking the right questions where do we go but then again, do we even know what questions, the proper questions to ask at this point? This is, uh, this is the issue because um, every question we ask has always a, some uh, implicit premises because we're looking for something. Uh, and, and so that's something we have to be clear in our mind. I, w- I always uh, use that joke. Is it important to know what people ate um, before? they had um, a UFO experience. Because if they ate pizza, well, guess what? It's in the shape of a flying saucer, if you look at the, the plate where it's grilled. This is a silly question, of course, but the point I'm trying to make is that if we say, okay, this is irrelevant, then we already decided that the food you ingest and your experience are irrelevant. Like there's no causal relationship. That's fine, but then if you say that certain things have a relationship, uh, then you have to prove that indeed they are related to each other. So the question you ask, you have to be clear in what are the premises behind. So, and most of the questions by UFO, UFO organization, they start with the premise: there's something physical. They're looking for something physical, a craft. So they, they're, all their questions are usually um, most of their questions are built around that. And then the other set of questions to see if the witness is uh, credible, if there are reasons to lie, but never or very rarely 
try to understand the witness from his or her perspective and what's happening in the life of that person because there might be other elements, aspects to the experience that are actually provide far more material to explain what's going on. There has been a theory, a grand theory, that combines a lot of paranormal phenomena. So we have UFOs, we have ghost sightings, we have Bigfoot. We have the resemblance that some people have drawn between UFO abductions and near-death experiences. Can we have an all-encompassing theory about everything? Or are UFOs, even if they're collective unconscious, parapsychological, still a separate issue? Well, I, th- I think there is one thing, one thread that could con- connect these things, because in the end, any extraordinary experience we have, do those experiences, whether it's a UFO, a ghost encounter, uh, you name it, do those experiences actually carry information that are actually of, of that goes beyond what's going on in one person's head. That information is actually um, uh, useful for the, the witnesses because they have produced it through uh, parapsychological means. Then you can connect a lot of things. I'll give you a very simple example. Uh, it happened to me not long ago. Uh, I was home, heard a big bang, boom. So I ran throughout the house. I was, I was worried there was maybe some somebody getting in my house. Only to discover that uh, it was a bunch of um, of uh, long play uh, that fell. They fell off. Is it a, a psychokinetic event? Maybe, maybe not. It's just maybe they fell because you know they were ready to slip at that time. But one other thing I noticed is that when it happened, um, I was preoccupied with an issue and I was running it to my head for quite some time. And then I, I realized that. The long play falling off, it sounds like as if my unconscious was telling me, hey, Eric, you sound like a broken record. Maybe there was some psychokinesis involved. But the point is, is that there's information that was generated by that event that Eric, you know, change your story, you know, think about other things, move on. And that could be, make it simple things like that of a parapsychological nature, two things far more complex, like UFO encounters or, or uh, ghost encounters, where information is like generated, but oftentimes that information is very symbolic in nature, and only the experiencer actually can make sense of it. There we go with that. That sounds very interesting. Interesting to look at the possibilities and all that. Other than that, have you had any other experiences that you would think could have a paranormal explanation? Uh, indeed. Uh, I was uh, a number of years ago now um, investigating a haunting in uh, near Toronto. And um, uh, we were, it was in November, and in Toronto, in November is not very warm. And we were uh, waiting outside for the, uh, it was a old um, uh, courthouse that was converted into a museum. Uh, sorry, not a museum, uh, a, um, a theater. And uh, we were waiting outside for the caretaker to open the door. And um, so I was at the door and I clearly, clearly heard steps coming towards me from inside the building. So I turn around to the, the, the friends I was with and say, hey, hey, the caretaker is coming. Get ready let's, let's, to, to move in. And they started to laugh at me. So I kind of ignored that. And then again, clearly heard the steps. And then I repeated, you know, come on, 
be ready. Uh, he's coming. And then, ha, 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 Eric. The, yes, he's coming in his car. He's, he doesn't, he's not in the building right now. Uh, and indeed, he came about five minutes later um, and opened the door, but from outside. So I would say that probably if there was a recording machine, nothing would be recorded. So, however, after the investigation, I talked to the caretaker and he told me that the people who, who claimed to see the ghost, they were seeing a, a person walking in that hallway that leads to the door back and forth. And the story is that he was waiting uh, for his the sentence of his son to, to come from the jury at the time. Um, and but I didn't know that. I didn't know that before going. I had no idea what was going on, what was the haunting story. I was, I, I was a blank slate when I arrived there. So it's interesting that information somehow was communicated to me through normal means in advance before uh, hearing the story of the, of the ghost. So for me, uh, my inter personal interpretation, interpretation is that maybe haunting is more something akin to telepathy but across time. Because one of the things uh, parapsychology is studying is that time seems to be far more flexible than we think. We have Eric Willett, Gene Steinberg, Jay Randall Murphy, Time. What about a multiverse? More to come. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com slash host. Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. Bacon lovers, we ship free. Try our amazing bacon. No refrigeration required. Proprietary value-added packaging provides 10-year shelf life and protects the leanest, thickest, center-cut, fully-cooked bacon in America today. Ready to eat right from the pouch or warm and serve. Savory and delicious. Wholesale price for your everyday use. Order today at readytoeatbacon.com. Readytoeatbacon.com. 
Are you afraid to go to the mailbox because of letter after letter from the IRS? Are they stacking on more and more penalties and interest? By now, you know the problem won't go away on its own. Don't let the IRS chase you to your grave with penalties and interest and liens and levies. You need real help now. I'm Dan Pilla. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I help thousands of people solve tax problems they thought couldn't be solved. I can help you too. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation. Analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. Hear that? That's the sound of a house being trashed while a gang of thieves ransack the place. And what they don't steal will be destroyed. This year, resolve not to be the next victim of a break-in. Go to faketv.com and discover a device that creates the illusion someone inside is watching TV, even when you're miles away. Security is a mindset, and fake TV should be part of your security solution. Be vigilant, but not fearful. Faketv.com this is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. So, if time is flexible, Eric, what about missing time? Is that some anomaly, or was somebody simply knocked out for the hour and a half that disappeared? Well, it is, uh, I think most situations is just people were in an altered state of consciousness. Um, so they could have been half awake uh, in a trance or just uh, sleeping and unconscious. But um, And sometimes people are in altered state of consciousness and they're unconscious, just kind of uh, taking the front seat. And they are uh, doing things that they don't remember. So it's like a, a sleepwalkers, for instance. What I worry about here are situations where somebody is driving along the road and they suffer missing time or maybe they've traveled a number of miles and weren't aware of it. Were they sleepwalking behind the wheel? Is that what happened? Well, uh, anyone who drove at night will probably realize that they are unconscious. That actually takes over the driving. And then, um, you know, you're lost in your thought, you're, you're listening to music. And the first thing you realize, you're like, 20, 30, 30, 50 miles further away that you were before. And you you don't need to be in a, in a deep unconscious state, um, altered state of consciousness. It happens all the time. It's a perfectly normal thing. Sure, but I think something like highway hypnosis is completely different than something happening to a person unexpectedly when they're not in that type of a situation. 
No, but there's degrees of our altered state of consciousness. So highway hypnosis is, is, is a light form. People who practice uh, magic, for instance, they put themselves in a very deep state of uh, altered consciousness through trance and all kinds of rituals that help them to reach that level. And they do see things that are quite extraordinary. They have visions, they hear things. Uh, sometimes there's even psychokinetic effects you know, on some occasions. So there's degrees in that. So we have to be very uh, careful here. Sure. Again, then we have someone who's intentionally focusing their thoughts on some particular aspect that has to do with elevating their consciousness or something along those lines. For example, in, in the case that I experienced back in the 70s, there was just the three of us hanging out on a couch and looking out a window. You know, we weren't intently concentrating or trying to conjure up or anything. We weren't in some altered state of consciousness. And all three of us saw it at the same time and saw the same thing. I'm not really sure that that's reasonably explainable by some sort of subconscious or unconscious manifestation that's projected out into the real world. It's just, I really have a tough time with that. Well, again, I, I, I don't know the details of your story, and, and you lived it. I did not, so I, I cannot make any comments. What I would say, however, is that our unconscious mind it works on its own time, and it can be uh, it can play tricks on us uh, for our own good. Usually, it tries to send a message. And uh, I mean, slip of the tongue, for instance, is a classic one. It's an unconscious message that while we're consciously speaking and then something slips, that means something else that we consciously mean, but unconsciously we, we may mean that other thing. You don't have to be in a deep unconscious state for that to happen. So we have to be careful. Sometimes the unconscious takes over and we're not even aware. And that's why the word is used. It's unconscious. We're not conscious of what's going on in that part of our mind. Again, I cannot speak to your own personal experience because I, I don't know it. And it's yours. It's not mine. We should not underestimate the power of our unconscious mind. Uh, we take all kinds of decisions that we think are conscious, but actually that's our unconscious mind that takes it. You know, if you walk somewhere, are you going on the right side or the left side first? This is our unconscious decision makings. Well, maybe we ought not to overestimate it as well. I mean, my case isn't unique. Um, There's just one case where there are multiple witnesses. Uh, I'm sure you've probably talked to UFO witnesses. One other one that I interviewed, for example, saw something that he would he described as your classic saucer-shaped object hovering over a field off on the side of a fairly busy road. He pulled over, and with a matter of a few minutes, a, a number of other people also just pulled over, and they all saw it as well. Now, how do you really explain that reasonably as a whole bunch of people pulling over and just having a shared unconscious hallucination? Or is it more reasonable to say, well, there's something out there and people are looking at it. It just actually is there. Yeah, and it could be both, actually. It could be something else that was, was perceived as through a shared hallucination. We should not uh, ignore the, the, the mixed explanation again. It's hard to say each case is unique, but definitely there are cases where there was nothing physical. Uh, there were cameras there pointing in that direction, and there was nothing recorded, and yet multiple witnesses claimed to seeing the same thing. So we have also those cases. 
and uh, we, we this should fully be in part of any uh, investigations of UFOs. It's not because there's nothing physical that they, that should be rejected. Far far from it. That's an interesting point. Uh, you know, I've heard of those cases. Uh, I haven't looked into them in detail, but if we're dealing with some sort of an anomaly or some sort of highly advanced technology, I mean, what is preventing them from interfering with cameras? Yeah, or or, or maybe interfering with our mind. I mean, that's that's the other oh, way to look at it. Because, absolutely. I, I mean, I can give you a very specific example. There was. Uh, Again, uh, in Hamilton, uh, in uh, in Canada, the uh, there was a uh, busy intersection, uh, and there's um, there was two cars. People don't know each other, and there was uh, three witnesses, I think, and four in the other car. If I remember correctly, and uh, they were looking in the same directions and waiting for the light to change. Uh, and they saw something really, really strange, uh, some sort of craft. And yet there was a lot of cars there. So other people would have seen it. That would have been reported, uh, you know, because it was a lot of a very busy intersection. And yet only two people in the, those two cars saw it. So I'm pretty sure if, if there was in that case a camera, there would be nothing. And yet the fact that two groups of people who don't know each other were separated by the you know, the glass of their, their respective cars um, had the similar uh, observation. That makes it an interesting case from a parapsychological perspective. Of course, and maybe other people did see it, but they just didn't report it. That type of thing is really well known when we get to uh, take polls of the number of people who've, who've seen a UFO and the number of people that have actually reported it. Maybe, but in that case, the uh, the what the witnesses reported it was very weird, very ostentatious, and it was perceived at not very far distance. I mean, it would have been seen by other people, uh, a lot of other people, because it was a busy intersection. It, well, maybe it was. I mean, we can't assume that just because they didn't report it that they didn't see it. Like, <laughs> like you know, like Friedman is famous for this. He'll he'll ask an audience how many people have seen a UFO, and a lot of hands will go up. They'll say, well, how many have reported it? And most of them go down. So if you look at it statistically, if there was 10 cars at the intersection, two people reported it, well, statistically, that means probably most of the rest of the people saw it. They just didn't say anything, that nothing was there, or that they didn't see it and were looking in the same place. Of course, we basically couldn't assume the reverse either. We're just guessing. We assume then more people saw it. In that case, if it's as Stan says, and most people don't report it, it's been a great episode. Thank you, Eric. Tell our listeners, please, where we can find more of the stuff that you do. My blog is still uh, open up, but I haven't contributed uh, lately to it. But there's still a lot of material, a lot of um, many, many posts, um, references that people can use. It's called uh, Parasociology. If you type uh, para and sociology in one word, you will you will find my, my blog uh, easily there. So that's uh, that's available. This is my book, of course, you mentioned, Eliminations, published by Animalist Press, uh, available through uh, most of the uh, online um, booksellers, so Amazon and, and, and the like. I'm working on other things right now, but it's still in the early phase. Uh, so uh, it will take a little while before I, I, I uh, publish uh, new new books. You can find us on Twitter. Look for the Paracast. Look for two Paracast fan clubs on Facebook. Look for the Paracast Plus, the number one way to support this show. 
To learn more, go to plus.theparacast.com, plus.theparacast.com. We offer a version of this show free of the network ads with better quality audio, the After the Paracast podcast, and we'll work on other stuff too. We also have a YouTube channel. If you want to check us out, just look for The Paracast. And Paracast Plus again is plus.theparacast.com. Eric Willett, thank you for joining us again on The Paracast. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Uh and uh, hopefully we'll meet again. The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.